Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe that. I receive that. Praise God. I'm walking in that. That's not something I just preach on Sunday morning. You know, the Bible said not being a lord over God's heritage. Don't just use the office to control people or become dictatorial to people. Not being a lord over God's heritage. Amen. I'm I'm here as an under-shepherd. One of the great things God has called me is shepherd. What a, what a title. But there's only one great shepherd of the sheep, and his name is Jesus. And there's only one head of the church, and it's not some person who has started a denomination. The head of the true church is the true and living God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful to him today. And he has been so very faithful. Uh, The easy part is preaching under the anointing. If you're appointed to this, you're anointed for it. And so I know the anointing will meet us today. It's already coming and it's already flowing. And I know that flow of the Holy Spirit today. I've been walking with him for 45 years of ministry in January. 45 five years you learn a thing or two amen you know what works and what don't work and you know what flesh is and 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 what just stimulating emotions is and what really feeding the flock of God and God's mandate to his servants in the word that we're going to minister the word to his sheep was to feed the flock of God over whom the Holy Ghost has set you uh, over Uh, to watch over, to care for, to feed the flock of God, to make sure that not one person that is in his fold is without the blessing of the great shepherd's watch care. Amen. And that we all grow spiritually. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, said, I will give you shepherds after my own heart, and they will feed you. With knowledge and understanding. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. There are people, Christians right now, that don't understand how to use the faith they have. They really don't need a lot more faith. Because faith is a grain of mustard seed. True, pure faith is a grain of mustard seed. See, we see a mountain... And we think we need faith as big as the mountain to see the mountain removed. No, it doesn't begin with how to use your faith, but who to put your faith in. They said, Lord, increase our faith. He said, have faith in God, not faith in your faith. Because if you have faith in your faith and your faith wavers, you're in trouble. Can you say amen? But if you have faith in a God who doesn't waver, a God who doesn't change, a God who said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will abide forever, amen, then you have faith in an unshakable, unchanging God. And it's so vitally important today that we are fed with something that gives us knowledge and understanding. Uh, I put out front not just a church service on the sign, but Bible study. Because our church services are taking a tone. Because with me, God is taking a turn. For years, people came to have hands laid on them, period. They would, we had eight people in the pastor's Bible study at 10 a.m. 
But at 11 a.m., we had 100-plus attending. They did not come for the Word. They did not come to walk away with knowledge and understanding. They came to get a touch from God. And I thank God for the anointing. And I, How many believe that we can teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God and still have a God encounter when we come to church? But if you just come to church for a God encounter, a liver shiver, goose pimples, falling out. There's been many people fall out as we touch them uh, under the anointing. But they got up not healed. They got up not set free. They got up. Some people did get set free, but they had to release their faith. And without releasing your faith, as your faith be, in the positive or in the negative, so be it unto you. As your faith, not as God, God's already determined and revealed through His Word and His person and His promises, His will in so many areas. There are some areas, of course, we have to seek and pray for His will to be done. But we're to pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we're go, go into the Word of God to find the promises that He has made. I want to make it very clear today. Uh, there's, a, there's this whole idea because of this vacuum of, of unanswered prayer. And people who are not blessed, people who fare no better than the world when they are sick, people that fare no better than the world when they have uh, difficulties in life, when their heart is broken, when their nerves fall apart. I've been through nervous exhaustion. I'm not a preacher who sat in some cloistered, clergy world I went through nervous breakdown it is the worst time I've ever had in my life I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy I went out into a garage and and got down on all fours uh, at night trying to breathe I had a didn't have a cell phone then I had one of those wire cordless phones with me to call 911 if I began to pass out. I didn't want to bother or, uh, and scare my family, but I went out and got on my hands and knees. I turned on every light in a room and slept on three pillows. And if I got four hours sleep, I shouted victory come the morning because I burnt out I literally burnt out. I burnt out standing in healing lines falling out because I felt and encountered the very presence of God. But I wasn't ever fed with knowledge and understanding. Scripture said very clearly, don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. It means to boast. It's a, it, don't, don't let the wise man Boast in his wisdom. Don't let the mighty man glory in his strength or the rich man in his riches. But he that glorieth, let him glory in this. This is a permission to boast in God. But it's not just in God. It's in your knowledge and understanding of God. Let him glory in this that he knows and understands me. Actually, it's a New Testament quote of an Old Testament scripture verbatim. Amen. Knows and understands. What will his shepherds after his heart do? Feed you with knowledge and understanding. Not just knowledge of every biblical principle, but of God himself. 
Faith doesn't begin with a promise. It begins with a person. Because the promise is only as good as the person who made it. If you can't trust the person who made the promise, the promise might as well not be given. It'll just raise your hopes up and drop you. Can you say amen? But if you know the person, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. They will, they will not be stymied by fear. They will, be, they will stand up and take action. The book of Acts was written by the, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And the reason those acts of the apostles are there is because their knowledge of God. Here's what Paul prayed for the church. He, he said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that he would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge, specific knowledge, not general knowledge, specific in the knowledge of him, that you might know through that knowledge of him what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints. He wants you to know how precious you are to God. This is not about your initial inheritance in Him. It's His inheritance in you. We are Christ's reward for the cross. The church. That's what He looked past the suffering and the shame. And He saw the reward that He would receive. And that is all the souls that would be saved because of His sacrifice. Amen. Jesus saw that. And the love for Fallen man and women, that is what held him to the cross. We're in a day when people are looking for that quick fix. I'm glad I've got a microwave. I really appreciate my microwave. I, you know, I don't have time to bake a potato. Do you know you can put a big, one of those big nails in a potato and help it bake quicker? Don't do that in a microwave. Some people, you know... It'll sparkle and kill your microwave and blow up your tater. Taters are way better than potatoes, by the way. Amen. I went into Circle K the other day, and, and I said, I don't see my tater chips. They're the baked ones, and they looked at me like they'd never heard the word tater before. And I thought, this is Plant City. Don't give me that look. <laughs> this is not Tampa. Anyway, we want a quick fix for everything. We don't want to take the time. Pentecostals want to jump in a line, get what they... We used to sing it, didn't we? And it's a good song. Well, I got just what I wanted. I got just what I wanted. I got just what I wanted from the Lord. He knows just what I wanted. He gave me what I wanted. Lord, my name is Jimmy. I want all you give me. Can you say amen? It's not that way. You've got to take time to seek the Lord. Amen. Listen to me carefully. Knowledge and understanding. Had a guy come to our church. He, 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 he could inspire anyone. He could get you out of your seat clapping your hands with, with just his enthusiasm, his fire. And he would come out and I would just look at the people and I couldn't get over it. Eight people. Eight people took the time to open the Bible and get in the Word of God so the Word of God could get in them. So they could walk away knowing something when they left that they didn't know when they went in about God. So that faith could come alive within them. So they had faith to believe and faith to receive the promises of God. 
And I, it took me back. I, I was so discouraged one morning because I think only seven showed up for that. We had an evangelist come from Africa, established 46 churches out of his church, 46 satellite churches, Don Norman. And he went on to minister at Oral Roberts University and then started his own ministry here. And uh, he came in setting up his tapes in the back room. And, and he stopped setting up his tapes while we were teaching the pastor's Bible study. And he, he and his wife stopped setting it up. And they sat down, opened their Bibles with us. And that's an amazing thing. You know, when someone's coming to preach to you, that will sit and listen to you preach. Then the Holy Spirit must be doing something beyond the office of the teacher or the pastor. Amen? And especially someone of that caliber that's seen God move to that degree. He said, after the service, he said, we set up between services. We were setting up during the service because generally I don't stop setting up. But he said, God began to speak to me through his word. And I thought, that's incredible. Thank you for that. And then he asked that we would make him six tapes of that particular teaching. He said, because there are people suffering persecution under the gun, laying their life on the line back in Africa. And I want every one of those pastors to receive a tape of this teaching this morning. That didn't just feed my ego or pride. It let me know the power of the Word of God. Everybody say the power of the Word of God. He came back and ministered for us and he said, one of those tapes went to a pastor who has since been martyred for the sake of the gospel. And I'm glad he heard what you were teaching that morning because we were preaching a Christ that was not just worth living for, but was worth dying for if it became necessary that he is that precious. And even though our life may not be on the line as a Christian, we should love him to that degree. He deserves that kind of commitment. He deserves that kind of commitment. And without that kind of commitment, all God is to us is, and people used to look for neat little faith formulas, as if God was this big dispensing machine in the sky. And if you press B17, healing comes out. And, and C19, deliverance comes. And L21, uh, financial uh, breakthroughs come. That's not knowing God. You don't have to love Him. To get in a healing line. You don't have to love him. Amen. To try to figure out a formula to get him to give you what you want. But you have to love him. To ask him for his will to be done. What is the pattern prayer? Thy kingdom come. What? Thy will be done in earth. Thy will. God has a will for you. Yes. There is a surrender that brings serenity. When you finally surrender to the will of God, you'll quit fighting against it. A lot of the tension is not the fallen world and the battle between your flesh and spirit. It's tension between us and God and His will for our life. Delight thyself in the Lord. Everybody say that. Delight thyself in the Lord. 
You know what that means? You know what the Hebrew word means? It means to be soft and pliable. I want you to picture clay before the potter begins to fashion it. The first thing the potter had to do before he could start any work on the clay is prepare the clay. And the preparation of the clay was to begin to soften it to where it could be fashioned into the the model that the potter wanted to make it in. Believe it or not, some of the trials we go through have a softening process that allows God to shape us. Because without the trial that brings us into that place of humble dependence on God, we harden in the way we're going. We know what the Word says, but I've had people tell me recently, it's going to take something. In other words, my pattern is so set of life, and I know God wants to change it, and I know I need to change it, but it's probably going to take something. Something's going to have to occur to shock me out of that pattern so that He can do a work in me. That's when you praise Him in the storm. That's when you thank Him in the midst of the trial. I remember when Sean went through some trials that could have brought him into self-destruction. or It was just the devil had traps set all around his life. I remember that. I remember him telling me about praying uh, and asking God to help him in that particular area, in that weakened condition, in, in all of that emotion that was coming forth, asking God for help. And I knew right then, I knew right then, somehow, some way, God was going to bring him through. He was not going to be destroyed, and He's not going to be now, and it ain't over yet. But God is not done yet either. Praise God. Hallelujah. Think it not strange. The fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. Can you say amen? But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Can you say man? First Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all of your care upon Him because He cares for you. I love the Amplified. We talked about it on the way in here today. For the Amplified says, casting all of your care. It's just, it's just taking the, the Greek words and bringing them out. It's not changing the thought at all. Amen. Casting all of your care, the whole of your anxiety. Sister Christella, you told me when I was talking about worry and fear and anxiety, and I'd quit and went into the message. You wanted to hear more. Here's some more. You're killing me, Styles. What's his name? S'mores. You want a s'more? Uh, some more. I haven't had any yet. Anyway, amen. You want some more. That's why you came back to church. And you know what you wanted more of? You wanted more Bible study. You wanted to know something for yourself. 
have the Word in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I will give you shepherds after my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. God wants you to know and understand Him to the degree that you can trust Him with your soul. You can trust Him with your children. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your health. You can trust Him with your finances. You can trust Him with all that you are and all that you have and not waver. Hallelujah. How many know God wants you to trust in Him? And He wants you to trust in Him wholeheartedly. And it's the only way to disarm fear. There's no other way to do it but trusting God exclusively and wholeheartedly. They that trust in the Lord, there's an establishment here. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. Why? Because somehow it'll it'll escape the natural disasters and everything else. No, because God is keeping Zion. And God is keeping Mount Zion. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about His people to deliver them. Praise God. Amen. They that trust the Lord, some trust in horses, some in chariots, the material, the physical, man's intelligence, ingenuity, things and wealth. He said, "They some trust in horses and chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, let's get this clear. A name back then was not given because of a movie star or because it was cute or because it was what may be trending at the time. A name denoted a character of a person. And when God revealed himself to Israel by name, when he revealed himself by name, and they began to call him accurately by that name, they began to understand his person. And when you understand his person and his love and his grace and his mercy and his purity and his power and his holiness, you can take him at his word you can begin to develop a trusting relationship with God. Hallelujah. Amen. But until you know and understand Him, you can't just grab promises out of a promise book or a promise box. By the way, the Bible is a promise book. It's full of promises. To you and to me as His covenant children. And the promises of God are supposed to be Yea and amen. Yes, so be it. Amen? Amen. You know what amen means? Let's try it one more time. See if your amen is working. Just say amen. Amen. What it means biblically? Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. We're in the Christmas season and we... We're, we're go- you're going to see believe all over the place. All over the place. You're going to see believe. I, I remember when they came out, I went and saw it in 3D. Remember Channel Side? The 70-foot screen, several stories tall in Channel Side. I went and saw the Polar Express with my family. 
And it was chilly that night. And the snow came out of the screen. See, 3D at home is not like 3D on a 70-foot screen. It was snowing in our lap. We wanted to reach out and grab a snowflake. And I'm going to tell you right now, this, this, I, I thought fall wasn't going to fall. Amen. But it's coming. <laughs> Tonight it's going to be cooler and in the morning, maybe 60s for us, high 50s and low 60s. It, <laughs> go to the coat factory. God wants you to know him so you can trust him. It all begins with a person. That's why the shepherds are supposed to feed you with knowledge and understanding. So he says, and, and this qualifies that in the old, it's, it's quoted in the old covenant and the new covenant. He that boasteth, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me that I am the Lord that executes righteousness and judgment and mercy in all of the earth. For in these things I delight, saith God. Can you say, man, God is a God of justice. God is a God of equity. God is a God who calls us to righteousness. And in the midst of all of that, he is a loving God. He is merciful. He is merciful. It has pulled people through just that one part of his character and the revelation and the realization of it has brought people through trouble that it looked like there was no way out. Jeremiah preached his lifetime under God's appointed anointing, got him slapped in the face and put in a dungeon to die. Israel did not repent. There is no record of a revival under Jeremiah. And yet God sent him with the message to turn his people back to himself. And they refused to listen. He, had no, he got so fed up. He said, I wish I had a place out in the wilderness so far out that GPS couldn't find it. The only way you could find my house, he said, if you got lost out there. And stumbled upon this place. I want to get that far away from these hard-hearted, hard-headed, stiff-necked people. I've got God's message and no one is listening. Judgment is surely going to come and no one cares. They're going to, in spite of everything that God is saying through to me and through me, they're going their own headstrong way. Literally, the scripture said of the prophets of old, they, they pulled away the shoulder. Can you see God wanting to touch them, wanting to counsel them? They pulled away the shoulder. You, you know the mercy of God, come let us reason together. Come let us reason together. They pulled away the shoulder. Well, no wonder Jeremiah was discouraged and downhearted. And then he saw the judgments begin to fall. He saw God's people lose battles. He saw God's people going into bondage. He knew they were going to be carried into Babylon. God told him something, though. I'm glad God told him this. He's rich in mercy. He said, now that you're being dispatched from your own land and carried as slaves into Babylon, I want you to go out and purchase some real estate right here. I want you to take the deed and put it in the ground because a day is coming when God is going to turn it around. You can't see it. They don't even deserve it. 
But I'm a God of great mercy and great love. They have quit me. They have quit me. But I'm married to the backslider. They broke it, but I didn't. I'm a covenant-keeping God. I can't bless them till they repent. I can't restore them till they repent. But I'm standing here ready to do that the day that they do repent. If it takes 70 years in Babylon, a day is coming when I'm going to say, let them go. Let my people go. Whether they be in Egypt or Babylon, a day is coming when I'm going to stand up and say, they still belong to me. Can you say, man? They don't deserve it. You're saved by grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But thank God I've got it. And thank God for it. Lamentations is a weeping prophet. He talked about his tears. He said he causes my bed to swim. I've cried that much over my people. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the covenant people. Saw no conversions. But God tells him a day is coming. When you're going to come back into the land. To Isaiah and to Jeremiah. Major prophets that did not see the turnaround. He said when you pulled away the shoulder. Something happened to your heart. When you wouldn't listen to God's call to repentance. And God's offer of forgiveness. Something happened to your heart. He said they closed their ears. They pulled away the shoulder. And their heart. Listen. Became hard as an adamant stone. Everybody say a diamond. Do you know how hard a diamond is? It takes a diamond to cut a diamond because there's no metal that can cut it. It takes a diamond tip blade to cut a diamond. An adamant stone. Every time truth is brought, every time conviction is offered, every time God offers grace and mercy and we pull away the shoulder, we shut our ears and we walk away, the heart gets another callus on it. But here's the good news. God is still in love with the backslider. God is still in love with the sinner. He still wants to save them. He still wants to restore them. He still wants to send a revival to the church, but repentance has to precede it. You have to know God enough to love Him enough, to want Him to be the Lord of your life. Can you say, man, to give Him that place in your life that He's supposed to have? And the day that you put the King first, that's the day you put the kingdom first. Because the kingdom is where a king rules in undisputed authority. Can you say, man, it is not mystical, it is practical and it is personal a king rules in your life and the kingdom of God is first and he said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things things that you need things that you desire for your life they shall be added unto you God said if you'll take care of this I'll take care of that you take care of the spiritual, I'll see to the material. Hallelujah. He said, the Gentiles, they know nothing of the spiritual. They know nothing of me. They don't even regard me. All they have is this temporal, physical world, and they go after it with both hands. They sell their soul for it. And it's all going to pass away. But you know the true and the living 
God. And if you will give Him the only place that He should occupy in your life. And that's first place. Not someone you run to when you're in trouble. Oh, I want to pray and praise Him on the best day of my life. Just like I would on the worst day of my life. I got up this morning seeking God. Not just because of needs, but because He's a good and gracious God. And I want to be on talking terms with Him when the need comes. So I don't have to pull out some crusty, old, rusty, moth, spider-webbed faith that I haven't really used in years. But now my back's against the wall and I'm trusting God. Listen. God wants you to build that faith to trust Him right here and right now through His Word. He wants you to know Him enough to trust Him. I've heard a a scripture misquoted, and I'm not trying to, because people are going to hear me misquote something and jump on me too. I'm not jumping on other preachers, but here's a scripture that is misquoted as we get ready to close. A lot, and continues to be. And some very good preachers misquoting it. And they, they mean well. But I wanted to get deeper because I want to know what it means and so I can apply it to my life. It's, it's an oversimplification and it leaves out a critical element of trusting God. Cast all your care upon the Lord. And I heard a man giving a testimony. I took my cares and I threw them up to God. No, that's not what that says. And that's not how you deal with your cares. By the way, if you're carrying the cares... It's choking the Word. It's not a a sin until we refuse to give it to God. Then it becomes sin. If you carry it and refuse to give it to God, where is the sin? The sin is, you're saying, God can't be trusted with this. I've got to carry this. I didn't give the church to Him. And it opened the door for nervous exhaustion. I didn't give people to him. And I carried it. And it broke me under the load. And when I came out the other side. Because of grace and mercy. And knowledge and understanding. I want you to know that I made up my mind. I am not going to carry a burden to bed with me. I gnawed my teeth down. Until a dentist said. I've never seen teeth wore down at your age like this. You know why? Because at night while sleeping, I was worrying while sleeping. I didn't get into REM sleep. I, I, I ground my teeth until I ground the enamel off of them. I would go to sleep and it was like I was passing out. And when I felt like I was passing out from lack of sleep, it woke me up with fear. I thought if I pass out, there's no one here, right here where I am. That's why I went out to be by myself. But yet, it was, it was, a, it was a vicious circle. I would wake up biting my tongue. My tongue get between my teeth while grinding. And I would bite my tongue and wake up with excruciating pain and a mouthful of blood. And I would go into the bathroom and spit blood. And then take cold ice cube and put on that bleeding place to get it to coagulate. Wrap my tongue in something till the bleeding stopped. And try to go back to bed on my three pillows with all the lights on. 
because the darkness brought that heaviness back in when I was burning out. And I made up my mind, Lord, you get me through this. I'm going to learn something in this valley. I want to know more when I get through. I don't want to ever... Listen, if you put, if you help me out of this, I, I want my feet on a rock next time. Can you say amen? I want it on a rock. I do not want to slide back into that horrible pit, that place of depression, that place where fear has got a grip. The Latin word for fear, it was a terrible word. It was a wolf and worry. Stimulated by fear, the Latin word for that was like a, when a wolf grabs a sheep by the throat to strangle it to death first and then eat it because the sheep doesn't squirm and the wolf can take his time and feast upon that dead sheep. But the first place of attack was to strangle the life out of the sheep. Not just bleed it and bite it, but hold it by the neck until it strangled the life out of the sheep. And I'm going to tell you what fear will do. And the cares that it produces and the anxiety, it will strangle your faith. It will strangle your peace. It will strangle your joy. The devil wants at you. But if you've got his peace and his joy for your strength and his peace for your mind, hallelujah, and his shield for your protection, the shield of faith. Can you say, man, it will quench how many? It will not stop him, but it will stop him from harming you with everything that he throws at you. And he's going to throw everything he's got at you and at me. But there is victory in Jesus Christ. Can you say man? I thank God for the valley I went through because I made up my mind when I come out the other side, I want to know more than when I went in because it was my lack of knowledge. You know what the devil tricked me with? I accepted the burden as a badge of my commitment to Christ. Because Paul said, That that cometh upon me daily, he listed beatings, he listed shipwrecks, he listed falling among thieves, he listed all kinds of life circumstances, but in the midst of all of these storms and circumstances, he said, That that comes upon me every single day, the care of all the churches. When I first read that, I thought it was administrative duties as an apostle. He was overwhelmed, you know, referee in church fights and such, doctrinal discourses. But as I kept searching the scripture, I find out what really was getting to Paul. You did run good for a while. What happened? You took off, but now you've turned back. It's heart-rending. It's heart-breaking to watch that process in friends and fellow believers, especially for a pastor who cares. If you don't care, it won't bother you. All you see is dollar signs anyway. But if you care about the people, if you care about the sheep, it breaks your heart when they fall or when the wolf gets a stranglehold on them. I couldn't give you milk. I couldn't give you meat. You couldn't bear it. You can see him. It building in him. You couldn't bear it. So I fed you with milk. I speak this to your shame. When you should be out teaching others. You haven't even left the fundamental truth of the gospel. You're still on the 
baby step, baby food. And I'm going to tell you what will eat a pastor up is seeing people who never grow up because they can never help him to do the work. They can only drain him. Just drain and drain and drain and drain. Criticism, finger pointing, never having enough of God to win anybody else to God. Amen? You didn't hear me. I said never having enough of God to win anybody else to God. It's important that we have enough of God to win someone to the Lord. It don't happen overnight, but it's supposed to happen sometime on this journey. Enough personal peace that people will see it and say, Where, where'd you get the kind of hope that you've got? You've got the kind of hope that I need. And you can tell them about Jesus, but if you're just like them, amen, then they will never ask about him. But when they see something in you that is different from them, then they will ask and you can tell them about him. We were going through a line and I think Hobby Lobby where I picked up stuff for the sign. I made a real pretty sign out there. Amen. Because they didn't have any sign for us. When you go look at the sign, I was up late making that sign. Amen. So I want you to look at that sign and say, boy, that's a pretty sign. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So you could find us in anybody else. But I was buying some stuff and my wife is getting her stuff and I'm getting that to make a sign with. And I went through and come back to, you know, man said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, you can help me find my wife. And uh, he went on his way. He didn't, you know, he didn't, he just blew me off and, and you know, figured there's another nut anyway. We're coming through the line, and somehow it came up that we had been married for 55 years. And another cashier heard that and said, what is your secret? And I said, Jesus. 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 I didn't have time to elaborate. It kind of says it all, doesn't it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I am not Prince Charming. I know, I know, I know you think I am, but I'm not. Pamela put online something about me, and she read it to me, and I thought, Lord have mercy. I am Prince Charming. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Does she hold me in that kind of esteem? Thank you, Jesus, for grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Quit laughing, quit laughing, Mike, quit laughing. We're going to start talking about your kitty cat if you don't quit laughing. Princess got her own poopy thing. It's automatic. So when he goes on a trip, it it empties. It's a $150 automatic poopy thing. Cat goes poopy and it goes it 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 empties itself and re stirs up itself and the cat's ready to you know man I, we had an outhouse when I was growing up. Cat's got a cat's got a poopy machine and we're out there getting splinters where we didn't want splinters anyway. Outhouses don't have you know the nice. But, you know, it worked good for me. I'm so glad to have indoor plumbing. It don't take a lot to make me grateful. Come up the way I did. Lord, have mercy. God's been good to me. When we know him, when we know him, 
when we know him. Feed my people with knowledge and understanding. So here's Paul's prayer. He falls to his knees and said to the New Testament church, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that he would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Can you say, man, that specific knowledge of God that you might know through what? Through that revelation that you might have this realization that you everybody say through that revelation that you will have this realization that you might because of your knowledge of him, that you will also know what is the hope of your calling. You will know that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And what Jesus has done in your behalf has given you a hope that nothing can break and nothing can shake. Because God has made a promise based on the shed blood of Jesus when you repent of your sin. Can you say man, Hallelujah. That you might know what is the hope of his calling and what is his riches in His inheritance in the saints. This is about God's attitude toward you and me. He tells the Old Testament church, I hear you talking among yourselves. You're seeing the wicked prosper and you're going through trials. You're wondering about all this. But he said, a day is coming when I'm going to take up my jewels. I'm going to take up the precious ones. And he said, when I do, you're going to understand. It may not look like it. Don't let the devil hoodwink you. Listen, it may not look like it, but a day is coming. And you're going to discern that the Lord doth put a difference between the righteous and the wicked. You'll never be sad that you came to me. Hallelujah. I'm going to reward you. And along the way, I'm going to go with you all the way. Let me finish this message this way. Oh, I, I pray, Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and the power to usward who believe, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said that power that you receive from the Holy Ghost is nothing less than the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. What would happen if the New Testament church and the New Covenant believer begin to operate in that resurrection power? Do you think we would come in beaten, beleaguered, battered, discouraged, disgusted, and disappointed? No, we would come in knowing who Christ is in us and who we are in Jesus. And we would have the faith to believe the promise that he's made to us so that we could receive the promise that he's made to us. And then whatever you ask in prayer, believing. What's going to happen? You shall receive. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said that. Would you take that as a promise? then the issue isn't God's faithfulness or even His His will on many. If He's got a promise, it is His will because if He didn't will it, He wouldn't have promised it. 
Let me finish this. Because faith is growing in you. Faith is growing in me right now. I'm glad I'm preaching this message. I'm listening. I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say next. Amen. I'm serious. I'm listening to this word today. My spirit is being lifted up in here today. I'm a recipient of that. Hallelujah. I couldn't hardly walk last week. I couldn't hardly walk. And the devil's saying, boy, I'm going to mess you up. He calls me boy. I don't like it when he does that. I'm a son of the living God. Amen. Amen. But he's disrespectful, isn't he? Amen. He doesn't respect us until you demand that respect. And I demand that respect. Boy, I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to make you sick. So everything you preach is hypocritical to the people. I said, you can try and you can do your best, but God is faithful. The name of Jesus still has power. Hallelujah. Amen. In three worlds. Amen. In heaven and earth and where you live and where you're going to live forever beneath the earth. Can you say amen? And by the way, there's not a devil that doubts the power of his name. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So I'm not going to doubt it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to live this thing out. I want to walk it out. I don't want to be pitied. I want to be followed as I follow Christ. Hallelujah. There's victory in Jesus for you and for me. And God will turn it around. I heard... Two preachers and one man giving his testimony. All of them. I saw one on video and he did what I did one time. He wadded up a piece of paper and he said, cast, because we see cast as throwing something to somebody. And listen, illustration. He took the piece of paper and he said, I'm not going to carry this any further. I'm going to cast it upon the Lord. I heard a preacher preaching about casting your cares away. Then you can be carefree. But the word cast in the Hebrew doesn't mean to throw it at Jesus so he can catch it and take it. Cast in the Hebrew. Want to go away with some knowledge? Cast in the Hebrew means to roll it upon another. Roll it on another. See, you can be walking distant from God until you get so troubled that you can't take the heat anymore and you want Him to just take it away from you. You're going to cast it to God. But the only way you can trust Him is to be close enough to Him and to understand how close He is in proximity to you that you roll it over on another. If I'm carrying a burden... Sean, I need you for just a moment as we close. I'm carrying a burden to cast it on Sean. I have to be this close to him to where I don't throw it. He don't have to catch it. I roll it over onto him. That means the first step in casting your burden on the Lord is getting into a close intimacy with him a fellowship relationship 
can you say man? Because if you're trying to throw it, that means he's distant from you. But if you're rolling it over on him, it means he's right there beside you. Every step of the way. Every Are you learning something about the scripture today? Do you see it in a little bit different light? Is it a little deeper than just skimming the surface of the word? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you deep is calling to deep in this place. Hallelujah. I've come through too much to go back to where I was. I learned something down in that deep, dark valley. Casting your care. Roll it over. Get close to God. Seek Him. Hallelujah. He said, you'll find me. You'll find how close I am to you. Not how far I am from you. When you seek after me. With all of your heart. And part of it is what you're doing right now. It's receiving the word of God into good ground hearts. It's going to bring forth fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. That means in just this one area, your faith is going to grow. As you know more about him. And you're able to trust him with more of your heart and your life. Hallelujah. He is trustworthy. Glory to God. Will you stand to your feet today? Thank you for being such an attentive audience this morning. Thank you so much. God loves you so much today. He's going to turn it around if you will let him. The scripture said, he that shall come will come. Before I put it in context, every time I saw it, I thought about the soon and second coming of Christ. It has nothing to do with the soon coming. Nothing to do with the second coming. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart of man. has nothing to do with heaven. Although it is one of the most quoted at funerals. And it's okay, because that's the truth. But that's not the context of that scripture. It's not about a place that you've never seen and can't conceive of. It's about something that you can see by revelation and you can conceive of. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered into the heart of man what God hath prepared for them that love him. But he hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. This is a revelation that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's what revelation does. Hallelujah. The scales fall off. We see not only the word, we see him like we've never seen him before. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, And by the way, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It's the will of God that you put your trust in Him. After you've done it, you have need of patience that you might receive the promise. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. If you will hang on just a little while longer. If you will hold on just a little bit tighter. Amen. Something's going to give and it won't be God. Can you say, man, a turnaround? I said something's got to give and it won't be God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So something's going to change in you and change in me this morning. Because He will come and save you. For He that shall come will come. (laughs) And He will not tarry. Praise God.